0: Welcome to Timothy Eden Memorial Church, a place for life. Connect, participate, celebrate. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, speak through me and despite me, so that your people might know how great your name is. For Jesus' sake, amen. Please be seated. There are two stories in Genesis of Jacob robbing his twin brother blind. The other one is shorter, it's easier to digest. Sorry, Chris, for the reading. Sorry, listeners, for the reading. And the other one makes more sense. In that story that we didn't read this morning, Esau is hungry. Jacob is cooking. Esau is famished, and Jacob takes advantage of his brother's hunger. I'll let you eat from this stew if you give me your birthright. Esau is oafish, kind of dim, and so he trades his birthright for a bowl of soup, or in the King James's matchless language, for a mess of pottage. Now, that story makes sense. Don't give up something that's a treasure for something that doesn't last. It's easier to moralize. The parents aren't involved. It's just a clever brother outwitting the less clever brother. Today's story is longer, more elaborate, harder to moralize, and harder to understand. In this story, the parents are very much involved, and Rebecca is the key player. She overhears her husband's request to their firstborn, Esau, go hunt me game, make me savory food so I can eat it and bless you before I die. And then she connives to get Jacob, her favorite, the secondborn, this blessing instead of his brother. Go to the flock, get me some goats. I'll prepare them the way your father likes. And she comes up with this scheme to cover, her husband, to cover her child's arms and neck to fool his father into thinking it's really hairy Esau. Jacob goes along. So by my count, the two of them together, mother and son, break three of the future Ten Commandments. They're stealing, they're lying, and Jacob is dishonoring his father. It's not a good look. This passage is the origin of our series on sibling rivalry. I heard Rabbi Jonathan Sacks say, this is the key insight of the book of Genesis and of all the Bible. The struggle between sisters, brothers, for blessing, for parents' love, for provision, and for life. This explains our whole world. The reason Russians and Ukrainians are blasting away at each other. They are brothers. Orthodox Christians. It explains the Middle East, the children of Isaac and Ishmael, Jews and Muslims at each other's throats. It explains the agony in your life, and in mine, in my heart, and in yours. Our siblings make us us, and then they unmake us. And so Christ comes as a sibling to bring healing but he's not finished with that yet. Rabbi Sacks says this about election, God's choice of Jacob, not Esau. God has a favorite. It is Jacob and not Esau. It is through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that God will repair everything that's gone wrong. But Genesis' sympathy is with Esau, the not chosen And you can see that in our story. Rebecca behaves miserably, fooling her dying husband, favoring their second son. Jacob behaves even worse. I counted four times he lied to his father in the story, going along with his mother's plan, stealing that blessing and pocketing it right beside the birthright. And then Esau walks in, he's got a pot of gamey stew just like his father likes, just like we're all gonna eat at the chili cook-off right after this service. These stories have alarming present-day ramifications. He's been out on the hunt, he's found favor in his hunting, prepared the animal, and now he waltzes in, big smile, stew for his dad just like he likes, and that stew will forever go uneaten. Isaac is volcanically angry. Our translation says, Isaac trembled violently, and Esau explodes into tears. Scripture, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me also, father. Now, if your heart doesn't break for Esau, you better check if it's still beating. Do you see what Scripture is saying? Jacob is chosen, not Esau. But as a reader, you have no sympathy whatsoever for Jacob all your sympathy is with Esau. Your heart cracks in two for him. Chosenness doesn't mean preferredness, and it certainly doesn't mean you're better. Chosen means God works through you, even despite you, to heal the world. Not because you're good, but because God is. Jacob is awful. Esau is genuinely good. Not chosen doesn't mean not loved or even not blessed. And it is Jacob who's our ancestor in faith, the scoundrel. Don't leave your wallet unattended near Jacob. Don't leave your kid unattended near Jacob. Jacob will steal anything that's not bolted to the floor. I wonder if you've had this experience in your family tree, embarrassment, humiliation. An ancestor of mine signed the Declaration of Independence, which is pretty cool as an American. But then my family said to me, oh, yeah, don't go bragging about that. He didn't want to sign it. The only reason he did is it already said unanimous at the top of the page. He didn't escape to Canada, which is what most God-fearing loyalists should have done. Just think, I could have gotten here hundreds of years ago. Don't tell that story to anyone. No, I just told it to everyone. Someone else in my family tree, I was looking at a photo and asked who that guy was, and they said, oh, this is embarrassing. Um, He faked his own death, and then they collected the life insurance. They escaped to Mexico and lived like kings. Right. Nothing to be proud of there. An older parishioner told me one time, talking about ancestors, don't go looking in that family tree too hard. Or you'll find a monkey. Now, I don't know what she meant, whether evolution or humiliation. But either one is true. It doesn't take generations to find a scoundrel because we all have them in our family. Because we all have that in us. Dig into Israel's story and you find Jacob, a genuinely terrible human being. No way you want to be like him or have your children be like him. He's chosen... But not because he's morally superior, he's morally far inferior to Esau. And yet he's the one God will work through to repair everything God has made. When we lived in Vancouver, our family had a favorite burger place. Went there after church, went there to watch ball games. We got to know the owner who knew our usual. He'd start making our food before we ordered it. And one day he asked, you two are ministers, right? And Jalen and I said, "Uh, yeah, sorry about that. Can we still eat? And he said, you guys must hate me. (laughs) I was like, what do you mean? You seem nice enough. You're good at the grill. He said, I drink and I cuss and I gamble. I, I can't even believe you're in here. And we had to say, oh, no, no. The people Jesus loves are you. The people Jesus can't stand are us. Religious professionals. I mean, have you read these stories? You come out looking great. Where do you think Jesus learned his preference for the wrong people? These stories that he learned bouncing on Mary's knee. When I first taught a classroom of Jewish students, I remember telling them how wonderful it must be to be chosen by God. And one of them asked, Excuse me, um, what do you mean by chosen? And I said, blessed, favored, the ones through whom God repairs the world. And I could feel their posture shrink under these compliments. No, 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 please. You're being very nice. Thank you. But when you Gentiles talk like this, bad things happen to us. We're just ordinary. Nothing special about us. Just treat us like normal neighbors for a change. Okay? You can see their point. Don't speak of us as preferred, because one second later, you'll lash out at us. Plus, look at Jacob. I mean, do you want to be descended from this guy? Well, here's a good question. Why doesn't Isaac just take his blessing back? Just say, well, I was tricked. Now I'll bless the right kid. Because blessing doesn't work that way. You can't take a blessing back any more than you can unfire a bullet any more than you can put toothpaste back in the tube. You should try it later, it's messy, I'm warning you. Once a blessing is loosed in the world, it's already changed reality. It's already made things different. The same is true with a curse. And that's why we watch our words. They change things. Now, if you feel yourself grating against this story, you're not alone. This is not fair or just, or even good. God's election is not a reward. Jacob is chosen despite his character, not because of it. In the black church, they say this, God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the called. God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the called. God doesn't find the very best of us and say, you, you're perfect. No, God finds the worst of us. And says, you, you're perfect. I'm going to work through you to heal everybody else. Almost everyone thinks faith is about being rewarded for doing good. No, God chooses the wrong people every time. Here, God chooses the conniver, the scoundrel, the one you can't trust. God says, ooh, that one, Jacob, perfect. He's the one through whom I'll bless the world. But linger with this thought with me for a moment. Can God use a rogue's roguery for good? Jesus commands us to be as wise as serpents, innocent as doves. I love the story of Franz Jägerstadter, who was a farmer in Austria, refused to take the loathe of loyalty to Adolf Hitler, and was executed for it. The Catholics have said he's a saint. There is a beautiful lyrical movie by Terence Malick called A Hidden Life about Jaegerstadter and his family. Now, the thing is, the movie turns him into a hero for religious freedom and conscience. The Catholics turn him into a hero for piety. Franz Jaegerstadter was neither thing. What he was was allergic to authority, any authority. He didn't like doing what his family said, what his boss said, what his town said, let alone what the person in charge of his country said. And God can use that blessed stubbornness for good. You see what I'm saying? Maybe not. All right, another example. My wife, Lynn, got to go see silverback gorillas in Rwanda once. Amazing animals. You know who they hire to be guides on those trips? Former poachers. It's the same skills to find the animals and take care of them as it is to find them and hunt them. You just got to pay more in tourist dollars than they were making as hunters. You see how the same skills can go for good that go for ill. Sometimes God needs a trickster. If any of my children are listening, please neglect that last paragraph. We Christians have long seen ourselves in Jacob the born. Who gets a blessing not deserved. And we've seen our Jewish elder siblings as Esau, the firstborn, who is no longer blessed. Careful with that reading. It leads in bad anti-Jewish directions. But here's the thing. Remember what blessing is in Israel. Blessing is a hot potato. You can't hold on to it. You got to toss it to someone else. It'll burn in your hands. Blessing is to be given away, and eventually to get to absolutely everyone. So yeah, Jacob is blessed first, but Esau will be blessed eventually too, as God heals all the nations. Now the next few chapters continue these brothers' opposite trajectory. Jacob flees, Esau wants to kill him, and proceeds to bilk their uncle Laban out of his property too. And then Jacob is set to meet Esau, and he sends ahead gifts, bribes. Here, you don't want to kill me. Here's all this free stuff. And then he sends ahead his wives and children. Look at these beautiful family members. You don't want to kill their father, do you? And finally, the two brothers meet, and Esau falls on his brother's neck, not with vengeance that he deserves, but with tenderness and mercy. Jacob has done nothing to deserve this kindness. But Esau shows mercy anyway. Shows him what it means to be like God. Now let's be clear, y'all. We teach our children in Sunday school up there to be like Esau, not Jacob. Because Esau shows how to forgive and heal and restore, unlike the chosen one. Faith is so much more interesting than most of us think. It's not about being good or bad. It's not about us at all. Faith is about God working through all the wrong people to make everything right. Now, there are moments of morality in the Bible. The Ten Commandments, Jesus has some moral stuff. Most of the Bible is not that way. Most of it is this vast, sprawling story. And here's the story. We hurt one another terribly. The ones we share our table with, our home with, our work with, will betray one another. And Christ comes among us, and we hurt him terribly. But he rises with mercy and forgiveness, with Esau's restoration. And if you're not just a little bit offended at that story, you're not paying attention yet. We're about to turn to the Lord's Supper, another table. If harm was done by Jacob and Esau in a pot of stew, healing is done at this table with bread and wine and mercy. And in just a minute, we'll eat stew together, chili. There is more in the pot and on the table than any of us can understand or imagine. It's not just a meal, or maybe better I should say, No meal is just a meal because the table is where we do harm. The table is where Christ meets us with forgiveness and transfigures us and everyone else into a whole new creation. I mean, if God can redeem this family, what can God not redeem? Amen. A group of us went on a field trip to Holy Blossom Temple yesterday. We wanted to tell our Jewish neighbors of our prayers for them. We prayed with them for our Muslim neighbors. It's a hard time to be Muslim or Jewish in our beloved city. The service went on for two hours. The whole morning took four and a half hours. I don't want to hear anybody complaining about how long we go at our church ever again. And one of our gracious hosts asked me, do you guys collect dues at your church? I said, no. But what a good idea. I mean, just send everyone a bill. And if they drive to church in a nicer car, we just up the bill. I didn't say that. I said, no, it's supposed to be voluntary. He said, voluntary? I know people at your church. They tell me what happens if they don't give. A little group comes to your door, and they knock. And they say, we've been checking our financials, and we just can't find anything from you recently. We're more used to your generosity. So, friends, since we can avoid that little awkward conversation at your doorstep... Let's give generously now.